Welcome to the Pitching Secrets Podcast. Here you will learn the secrets to grow your pitching knowledge and skills, regardless of you or your son's current abilities. It will also help you to understand and navigate all other aspects of the game that you will encounter. I'm your host, Andy Powers. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? It's Andy Powers, and I want to thank you for joining me this episode of the Pitching Secrets Podcast. And uh, I really am glad that you're here. And today what we're going to talk about is something that uh, is very close to me, and, and I hope that it's cool with you, uh, and you'll stay with me on it, because um, I think there's something that you can learn from it. But I really just kind of wanted to share with you my story. You know, how did I get to where I got to? What brought me to this? Because sure as hell wasn't where I thought I was headed when I was younger, and I'm sure that maybe that's something that you can relate with too, right? But... I just wanted to, uh, to kind of just share that. I don't know that uh, a lot of people probably know my whole story, and, I, and part of that is really because I've kind of intentionally been very, um, very kind of like secretive or private about it. Uh, there's a lot of things to, about that story that I'm not necessarily the most proud of, but I guess that in a way it was a blessing because it's what ended up getting me to where uh, I am today and being able to, to share with you and to share with a lot of other people. and. Um, you know, still on that mission, by the way, uh, not at all made it, and I think that's part of the point, but um, there's a lot of parts of this story that um, that obviously built on it, and I always uh, have been a believer that things happen for a reason, and I think that uh, things happen, and a lot of times while they're happening, you don't understand why they're happening. It doesn't make sense, but then later on, as time goes by, uh, you can look back on those moments and you can, and, and it starts to kind of all line up and it starts to make sense. Am I making sense? Does that, <laughs> does that make sense? Um, but the, you realize that maybe things did happen for a reason, you know, that that happened, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, whatever it happened. And if it, if it had gone differently, then all of these other things that happened afterwards wouldn't have happened and I wouldn't be where I am today. Hopefully that makes sense to you and, and that you understand that. And of course, I mean that for the most part, that it, you know, I'm an optimist by heart, um, so I always try to take the good out of everything that comes along. Um, I, I, not to, to say that things happen for a reason because, uh, and you're in a bad situation, that it means that uh, that those happen for a reason. You're in a bad situation uh, for a reason type thing on purpose. Uh, I hope that's not the case for you. I uh, wish nothing but the best for everybody. But, anyways, I just kind of wanted to go into um, you know my story and and uh, and all that. So it, it kind of you know we're going to go all the way back to my senior year in high school. That's that's kind of where all of this uh, really started. But all the way up through my career, going up all the way in through to high school, um, you know, success was not something that I was not familiar with. I had a ton of success. I had had a whole lot more failure, in fact, than I had had success. Now, anybody that knows if you play this game of baseball, you're going to have failure. I mean, it's a game that's built around failure. So you're not going to avoid it. So, so for me to try to sit here and say I had none would be very misleading. I had plenty. But I was I was the guy that, you know, with, with uh, my teams, when we had the big games, I was the guy on the mound. I was the pitcher on the mound for those big games. Uh, whether it was the championship game or a game that we needed to, uh, you know, to get past the team or, you know, if it was a tournament play and all that. I was fortunate enough to, to uh, play high school ball uh, in Kansas City, Missouri for the summer um, in the area, and uh, I was part of one of the best summer travel teams uh, in the country. And this was, when, this was when travel baseball was really starting to kind of get going. So this was the late 90s. And um, so, again, 
championship games and all that, I, I was I was that guy. And um, I ended up uh, having an opportunity, uh, was in conversations with probably half of Major League Baseball uh, after my senior year in high school, get, going into the draft. And um, some people were talking as high as possibly being drafted in the third round and, and all that. I, I literally had had <laughs> some scouts that would come up before my games in high school. By the way, in high school, my high school team – I played four years of varsity on my high school team, and all four years combined, we won a total of 13 games, okay? And I had 11 of them, so we were not good. Um, thank God I played for that for the, the sluggers who I played for in Kansas City for the summer. Um, that that was uh, made a huge difference for me. But I had, I had been able to sign a, a really good scholarship to go play at the University of Missouri. So I had reached my initial dream of playing major Division One baseball, uh, playing in the Big 12 at the time. And uh, I remember even scouts coming to me before high school games and say, hey, well, if I, if, I, if I draft you, will you sign? You know, it's such a, such a terrible question, you know, <laughs> but they're just trying to figure out where I was at with some things. And so anyways, I got some good advice, advice that I've still shared with, uh, with people to this day, guys that are in this same boat. Uh, as far as the draft goes, and, and statistically speaking, especially out of high school, if you get drafted and you sign and don't go to college, then you're going to play minor league baseball, professional career for probably about five years, and then you're going to be done. And then it's going to be up to you what you're going to do with it. Well, a lot of guys don't want to end up going back to college as a 23-year-old freshman. They've been out of school for five years and doing their thing. I get it. So my point with that is that what I was told and what I've shared with many people since then is that whatever you sign for uh, out of high school is basically what you feel like your college education is worth. And I always thought that that was really, uh, really valuable information. And so I basically kind of made myself unsignable, uh, if, you, if, if you understand, and, and um, I, I went to the uh, University of Missouri. And my thoughts, my mentality was, man, um, I'll see you in three years and you're going to end up paying me a lot more money. Because I'm going to go dominate the Big 12, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to cost you a lot more money, and I was okay with that. That's that's kind of where my mindset was. I think it's where you have to be, quite honestly, uh, doing that. But I was excited. I, I was ready to to go set the world on fire, and so I got to Mizzou, and um, man, things didn't didn't work out uh, very well in a, in short order. Uh, I was never a guy to try to probably uh, challenge my coaches. They were the coaches. They were. They were the authorities, and they were the guys that uh, that I, you know, supposed to respect. And so, anytime they said to change something or do something, I did it. Well, I started going into a downward spiral, you know, from a mechanical standpoint, where I, I at one point, had lost the ability to throw the baseball. I mean, I can still throw it. Uh, a lot of people would be what they would consider called the yips, uh, which is basically you can't throw it where you want it to go. Uh, it's very much more of a mental disease than it is a physical disease, although the physical aspects of it that I was doing at the time was very much a component of it. But my mental state and capacity was just becoming crushed and shattered. And in the process of that, not only that, but um, it's by doing all of these changes in the thought that, well, this is the next step in my development. So if I make this change, this is what the big guys do. Then I'm going to be, I'm going to just take another step in my, in my progression. And it didn't happen. And so I started getting plagued by a lot of soreness, a lot of pain, uh, you know, occasional injuries and all that. I was, I was in a weight room like I'd never been before in my life as well. And that compounded the fact, um, and things just kind of kept getting worse. And I remember, I remember vividly in times in a couple of the practices, we had had a, a situation where um, we were in an inner squad and I was pitching and uh, had a comebacker sent to me, runner on first base, 
and I turned and throw the, to second base for the double play, and I threw it into center field. I never did that. But all of a sudden, that stuff was happening. We, had, we were running, working on our pickoff moves uh, you know, as a team practice. So we have runners at first. One guy on the mound at a time, we're picking to first base. I'm throwing it up the right field line and all over the place. I never did that. But I was doing it all of a sudden. And like I said, it became very much more of a, of a mental thing as well. It started to get so bad that then it was, I be, kind of became an experiment, I felt, which was, okay, well, now we got to try to fix this. So then let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. And, then, and, and it just didn't get, wor- or get uh, better. It just kept getting worse and worse. To the, I, I remember one drill that we were doing. At the time, I, I didn't question it, but I look back on it now and I just cringe. But we, uh, we had taken a tennis ball and we put it in the top of, uh, in my sliding shorts, uh, right on top, uh, right at, uh, on my left leg, my landing front leg. Um, so the whole point was is that when I landed, the goal was to, to take my to- torso and just kind of bend over and pinch the ball while I was throwing. Uh, that, that was just a, a disaster for so many reasons. So anyways, um, I didn't play my freshman year, ended up getting uh, redshirted. I was so embarrassed by the thing that it, I, I remember when we were in the spring season, and we had games, and uh, we, we were, if we were playing a conference game, so we were, if we were playing another team from the Big 12, by conference rules, if you weren't on the 25-man roster, you had to, you couldn't be in the dugout. So my job became to sit in the stands, and I charted pitches. I was charting the game. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed that I left my baseball pants on from pregame BPs, and I, I put my my BP top on because I, I didn't have a jersey to wear. They wouldn't give you one. So I kept my BP top on and my hat and my pants. I wanted everybody in the stands to know that I was a player and just think I was doing an important job. I, I didn't want to sit in the stands with my shorts on um, because it, it made it, in my mind, it sat there and made it look like, well, if that guy's up here, then he's if he's in shorts, he's got no chance of playing. And I was so concerned with how the appearance was and how it looked. And it was just, man, I, I, it, it, I talk about embarrassed and just the sense of failure. Um, and I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know which way was up. And so this, the, my freshman year gets over with, and I go and play summer baseball in a really good league, and I just grind it and battle my butt off and compete and kind of found my way back to being able to will my way through it and, and, and have some success. And uh, so I was excited going back into my sophomore year. And statistically speaking, in my sophomore year at Mizzou, um, statistically, of all the relievers, after the fall was over, I had the best statistics of any reliever on the pitching staff. So, you know, and I didn't feel good about it in terms of thinking that I was going to, you know, that I was setting the world on fire. I just basically felt like I just, like, willed my way through it and, uh, and, and made it happen. When we get to the spring, I wasn't a consideration again. Um, didn't even didn't even get on get on uh, on the uh, <coughs> excuse me on the that uh, 25 man. I remember a game where we had a freshman. We were sitting down in the bullpen. It was against uh, Illinois State, and I was down in the bullpen, and the game was getting late. It was starting to get out of control, and they were running through a bunch of pitchers on the staff. I was eligible to pitch. This freshman was not. And they were actually having the freshman get loose to possibly bring him into a game that meant nothing and would have burned his year of eligibility, and that would have probably been the only time he did pitch instead of putting me in instead, which had nothing to lose. Thankfully, that kid did not end up having to get in, but I thought that that was really a statement. Um, and at that point in time, I was just kind of done with Missouri and um, was really 
really kind of a, uh, a deal that I didn't like anymore. So I decided to transfer, and I, I uh, transferred to the University of New Mexico, and thinking that just maybe a change of scenery would do me some good. Uh, maybe that mental um, mental opportunity to just kind of regroup, fresh start. Um, you know, I'm sure many of you guys have probably gone through stuff like that before. And man, it just went from bad to worse. Um, the pitching coach that I had, the guy that was entrusted with running us, uh, you know, and overseeing our staff was was the the year previous that he was the bullpen catcher for the for the uh, team. Had no experience in pitching other than catching them in bullpens, and uh, and all of a sudden he was the guy that was in charge of them. And uh, you know, when we struggled as a staff or individual, you know, his answer was to run. You know, he was just going to run us to death, like we were trying to be terrible, and that you know, if we ran enough, maybe we'd finally convince ourselves to figure it out, you know, and get better, right? I'm sure that, uh, you know, does that make sense? So anyways, 10 days before the spring season starts in my junior year, 10 days before the season in an inter-squad game on a cold day in Albuquerque, I'm coming through on a fastball and I feel my elbow separate, pull apart. I threw a few more pitches in the game. They weren't very good, so I took myself out. For about the next month, the athletic training staff, we treated it as a, as a strain, muscle strain, but it wasn't getting any better. And uh, so finally I said, this is not getting any better. We've got to get this checked out. And so we took it to um, the orthopedic surgeon for the team. And I remember his words like he said it yesterday. He said, putting your elbow back together now would be like trying to sew back together a wet paper bag. He goes, but I think we can rehab it. And that's what we did. I didn't have the surgery. I was a candidate for Tommy John surgery. I did not have it. Uh, but for the uh, basically the rest of the season for two and a half hours a day, I was in the training room rehabbing and strengthening, uh, strengthening my forearm. I remember that summer, I was able to kind of start throwing again, and I was pitching in uh, Clorinda, Iowa in the middle of July. And if anybody has ever been to Clorinda, Iowa in the middle of July, hot is an understatement. So I'm pitching, and it's right after the, uh, the uh, bottom of the first inning. We're in the top of the second and I'm in the dugout. I was had a jacket on just because that's what helped keep my elbow loose because it would just get real tight. And I remember I was kind of pressing and pushing my arm around, and all of a sudden I just felt this big pop in my elbow. And I just like, oh, crap. And I was just waiting for the pain, the oncoming rush of pain to happen. And uh, it didn't ever come. And I started to slowly extend my arm out and straighten it, and it, and it, and it, it didn't come. And it got better. And then all of a sudden, when I extended my arm all the way out, it felt loose and it felt free. And uh, that was the first time I kind of got introduced to scar tissue and kind of more things about the body of, of kind of breaking some things up. So I was able to get back into it, back in the game. I go back in for my senior year and uh, earned a spot, earned an opportunity to pitch. And uh, But it was still it was lackluster because I, I remember we were pitching in a game in the, at uh, UT Arlington and um, I don't think I was on the plans to come into the game because uh, I came in for uh, pitched two innings and held them I was actually lined up for the win my first college win and we brought in our closer and he blew the game and we lost I got a no decision but when I was looking at the stat line which is really hard to find it took I, one day I tried finding it took me about two hours and I finally tracked it down but I found the stat line from that game because I was trying to remember what exactly who it was against you know and and, uh, and all of how I did and uh, I remember that it had our starting pitcher's name and he threw this many innings the reliever threw this many innings the reliever threw this many innings number 13 threw this many innings and then our closer threw this many innings and I go hmm I was number 13, but the people that were running the stats, they didn't even have my name. 
they didn't know who I was. They just saw my jersey number on the on the mound. That's how that's how little the coaching staff had had uh, thought of for me. And so, basically, I felt abandoned. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that, but I, I was I was afraid, man. I, I didn't I didn't know. It had been such a terrible experience. I was, but I, I really just started to feel very abandoned, abandoned by the coaching staff. I felt embarrassed and much like a failure to my teammates, to myself, because I knew who I used to be and what I was capable of, and I wasn't anywhere close to that. You know, I felt I felt embarrassed and a failure to my dad. You know, and, and, and to to them because you know he had poured so much effort and energy into. You know, giving me all the opportunities he could, you know, that I, that I could have and, and uh, to, to play. And, you know, and then that, I just felt like that that was kind of the, the, the payback I was giving him. And it was it was really tough. You know, on the outside, I'm sitting there like, I'm tough, man. I'm, I can take on the world. I'm confident. I'm going to I'm going to will myself through this. But inside, man, it was tearing me up. And, and it took me a long time to really kind of <clears throat> put the words on it. But um, but abandoned was really at the core of a lot of this and uh, you know man I just I didn't know what to do and and uh, I, I saw a window of opportunity to turn some things around um, after that uh, my senior year I had one year left of school uh, but frankly I was burned out uh, you know I lost the motivation to you know, get up at 6 a.m. for those weights and to grind it every day at practice. I had lost game instincts. That's a real thing. I've experienced it. If you're not playing in a game long enough, you start to lose those little the, the little feels for the game. And um, you know, I just kind of really felt like I was on my own now. You know, they had uh, there was nobody else. Like I said, I felt abandoned, and and it just kind of hit me. I need to become a coach. I need to become a coach, and it just and, and when I when that. Uh, you know that epiphany came over me it just it, it washed over me just like a flood and it just you know have you ever had those times where you you think or something or you do something or you, you and you just know it's right that was me that was that time it was like i need to become a coach i had learned from great coaches growing up i had sure as hell learned a lot of things in my previous four years of what not to do and I really thought that it was important for me to try to be able to make sure that any player I ever came across and was able to have an impact with on their career, that they never had to go through what I went through as a player. It was really important to me. It's important to me to this day. So I decided I got to be a coach. So I had one year left of eligibility because uh, my, my freshman year in college was a redshirt. So I had one more year of eligibility. I actually decided not to play. I just decided not to play. And I said, I want to be a coach. And, and uh, I was very fortunate when I go back to my Kansas City, my slugger days, that uh, one of my summer coaches was a guy by the name of Dave Bingham. And Dave is, uh, was a mentor of mine, and he's college baseball Hall of Fame, and he's one of the, the all-time greats. And I had an opportunity, I had an opportunity to, uh, to uh, spend that summer with Dave and live with him and travel on the road daily. It was just me and him. Uh, traveling all over the country because he was running the sluggers still, and you know you talk about just sitting in a sitting in a car driving across country, just you and him, and you want to be a coach, and you've got one of the great coaching minds of all time at your disposal for the next eight hour drive. <laughs> uh, man, you're gonna pick his brain, and I I uh, that's what I did, and it was unbelievable. And 
So I just basically became an understudy for Dave. And then that following fall, while I was finishing up school at New Mexico, I actually was was blessed with the opportunity to become a student assistant on the on the, the coaching staff while I was finishing up school. And uh, I was running the pitching staff, or I was helping run the pitching staff. The pitching coach at the time, he decided in the fall that he was going to resign, uh, and he went and started a private travel team organization, one that's been very, you know, very, very successful. Well, the issue with that is that nobody else was available to run pitching staff except for myself, which I was all too happy to do. Well, the cool thing about that is that I wasn't prepared for a Division One pitching staff, and, and I knew it even though I believed that I could do it. Remember, I'm, I'm confident. I'm tough. What was really cool about it is that the coaching staff, the head coach, happened to be really, really good friends with Dave, and he convinced Dave over Christmas break it, to come out of retirement and come down to Albuquerque and be the pitching coach and work with me to help bring me along. And we ran that pitching staff. And, of course, I was all too excited to be able to have him as, uh, as my uh, mentor to now be actually running a Division One pitching staff, which was what I wanted to do. That was my, my aspirations. And uh, at the end of that season, we went and uh, we, we did a hell of a job. We had a great, uh, great pitching staff, a lot of success, had a lot of fun. Uh, Dave actually went back to Kansas City, and I went with him. For the next few years, I worked with the Sluggers and, and running it. And, you know, the whole time now I'm sitting here trying to learn and understand why did this stuff happen to me? You know, why did it, you know, and, and, and to be able to try to figure out why did it happen to me, and then how can I help others not have that happen to them? And I remember several years goes by, I got back into college baseball and coaching and all that. Several years goes by, and we ended up going to the ABCA, which was the it's the National Coaches Convention every year in January, if you're not familiar with, with it. And, and uh, so Dave was there, and, and he and I were spending a lot of time together. And, and uh, Dave introduced me to another guy who uh, ended up becoming a very important uh, mentor of mine. And he, uh, he introduced me to a guy by the name of Ron Wolforth. And the thing about Ron is that he was very much looking at pitching in a very much of a different paradigm than the traditional sense that, college, that baseball in general is taught. Um, you know, baseball is a very archaic game. It's slow to change. It's almost resistance to change, quite honestly. Maybe, maybe you've understood that. Maybe you've seen that. Uh, and that could be a conversation for a different podcast. But Ron definitely was looking at things in a different way. But the way that he did things and he said things just really made sense to me. It resonated with me. It sounded like the message that I had been looking for. And I remember, uh, oh man, I remember that he had a booth there at the ABCA and he had a package and it was called like the mother of all packages. It was like a thousand dollars. It was all of his training videos and all that. I pulled out my credit card. I didn't have a thousand dollars. I pulled out my credit card and I bought it. And I'm walking around with this giant backpack that he, that came with it with, that could barely fit all the, the, the stuff in it and, uh, just killing me. <laughs> and I couldn't wait. And, and you know, Everybody hangs out and they talk to each other. So I've made a beeline back to my room and I started watching those DVDs. And Ron told me, he's like, watch this one first and this one second and then go from wherever you want after that. And as I was watching it, man, it was just like boom, 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 a light bulb's going off. And uh, so as luck would have it, Ron had a few doors down on my hallway and I was coming back to the room later on that evening and he and his wife were sitting out in the hallway. They were locked out of their room. So I just went down there and I kept talking to them. So he invited me over to uh, to uh, the uh, the ranch where is his his facility that uh, that summer. I went over there 
It's where I met a few other people. Uh, Randy Sullivan, who's become a good friend of mine, uh, and all that. And Randy's a physical therapist by trade. So now I was able to start really learning more of the, the, the biomechanical stuff from a physical therapist point of view and how it translated to baseball. And um, basically the point was I was trying to get to this point. My plan was where I could start to implement this into a system of my own, through my own experiences, what I had learned, through the things I was getting from them, things that uh, I learned from Dave as well, and try to mold it into something that uh, that I wanted to implement for myself. The problem that I ran into is that I was still coaching in college baseball, and I had a lot of head coaches who had their own ideas and plans for how we were going to run pitching staffs. And so it wasn't really until I was able to get out of you know, Division One baseball and junior college baseball, uh, and became a high school head coach where I had total, you know, freedom of how I wanted to run things. And then from there, I was able to leave that and start my own business at the Texas Pitching Institute, which is what I have to today. TPI has afforded me the platform to be able to start now, really uh, having no barriers, having no boundaries, as as a public school system does. As many of you who are listening to this may already know that, but. TPI has, has been able to sit there and, and allow me to, you know, try things and experiment with things and, and maybe purchase things without having to get, you know, worry about Title IX or having to get somebody else's approval uh, to really start to try to understand. And it's been very, very cool because uh, some of the things about this that's allowed me to do is to work with a lot of really amazing people. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully uh, continue to be able to do that. I've been able to travel all over the country and speak at coaches conventions and private events and been able to uh, be consulting for colleges and high school programs around the country. Uh, I've had hundreds, thousands of guys from around the country have come to TPI to, to train and stuff. Been very, very cool. And um, you know, I, I want to share with you this other quick little story of something that's kind of uh, the payoff for me and, and, uh, and reason and makes sense, but had a little nine-year-old boy uh, didn't know him. Uh, his parents reached out to me uh, that uh, he, uh, excuse me, he was 10 years old, but when he was nine, uh, he hurt his arm. He hurt his elbow. And uh, it ended up being bad enough that he ended up being in a cast. So he was in a cast for about four months, as I recall. And uh, he gets out of the cast. It was probably around February, I think. Um, and he starts slowly trying to get back into playing. Season's getting ready to come up. It's trying to get back into it. And the pain comes back. So then they go to a physical therapist, and the physical therapist puts them through their general physical therapist protocols, gives them kind of a generic throwing plan, and they come back. And he keeps throwing, and the pain comes back. It comes back big time. So his parents called me, kind of tell me their story of what's going on, and can you help? So I don't know, but I'd love to try. So we set up a consultation. They came over. We went through our whole spiel, did a lot of the things that we always do in our consultation. And I just sat there and I allowed the kid, I said, okay, I just want you to start throwing. I just want to watch you for a little bit. And after about two throws, I said, okay, we're going to call him Steven. I said, Steven, let's, let's, let's do a couple of things. So we did a couple of things simple adjustment things for him he threw ok 
okay, how'd that feel? And it's okay, Stephen, it's okay if it felt weird, or it felt horrible, if it felt awful, if it felt strange, if it felt different, if it felt awesome, if it felt good. All of those are acceptable answers, by the way. But just be honest with me, how'd it feel? He said, it didn't hurt. I said, okay, cool, do it again. He threw. How'd that feel, Stephen? It didn't hurt. All right, cool. I said, after a few throws, I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start throwing a little bit with more intensity, as much as you feel comfortable with doing. He said, okay. Makes a throw a little harder, no pain. Throws it again, no pain. And he keeps, and you can see it. He's gradually starting to increase. You can see his confidence coming. Before you know it, I'm looking at this little 10-year-old now, and he's throwing it as hard as he can. I said, Stephen, how you feel? He goes, I, it doesn't hurt. I turn and I look at his mom. She's crying. I said, this is why I do it. This is the mission that I'm on. This is the mission I'm still on. And I hope that you join me through this mission. In this podcast, we're going to sit here and I'm going to share it all with you. I'm going to share you the victories and I'm going to share you the losses. I'm going to share with you what I'm thinking, what's going on. And it may or may not always be baseball related. But this is why we do it. This is why... I've created this podcast why we do what we do at the Texas Pitching Institute. And all of those things, I believe, happen for a reason. Because if they hadn't been, happened to me, I probably wouldn't be sitting here being able to share with you and talk to you today. And um, I appreciate you listening. Um, this has been the first time that I've ever really truly shared uh, my story uh, in its entirety to to. To how it goes. So uh, I hope that you stay with me and I hope that I can be of service to you at some point. And um, I appreciate you guys and, and um, what this game of baseball offers to all of us and, and um, anything I can do to help you guys, you know, I'm there for you. So until the next show, I hope you guys stay in there. Remember, it doesn't have to throw hurt when you throw. So uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pitching Secrets Podcast. If you want to learn more secrets to enhancing your pitching abilities all while remaining healthy and pain-free, then I want to give you a free copy of my best-selling book called The Pain-Free Pitcher. Now, I already bought a copy of the book for you. I just need to know where you want me to ship it. Go to thepainfreepitcher.com and let me know where to ship your free copy today.